0: In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is The Camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into the camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm Zach Heilprin, he's Jesse Temple. It is finally game week for the Badgers. They're going to get going on Saturday against Penn State, number 19 Penn State. Got a lot to get to here in the show. We're going to be talking with. Jesse's a counterpart from uh, Penn State side of things, uh, Audrey Snyder, coming up here later in the show. Get a full perspective on what's going on with Penn State, and you know it was it was a fun interview, good interview, a lot of good information. You'll know a lot more about Penn State uh, when you hear from her. Uh, but first, obviously, uh, game week means uh, we get to talk with people, and we got to talk with a ton of people today here on Monday, including um, you know Danny Davis and Jim Leonard and. Joe Tipman and Graham Mertz and, and all the guys that I think, uh, you know, I think people probably are interested in. And we got our first peak, not even a peak, we got our first look at the first week depth chart against Penn State. And there weren't a ton of surprises, but I think one that probably stood out to a lot of people and got a cut of, you know, number of responses from it on Twitter, and that was Chesma Lucy being running back number one. Now, who knows what that means? Uh, going forward, I don't think it means a ton. It just means perhaps that he's going to be the guy that's out there on the first play of the game. Jalen is going to play a lot. Isaac is going to play. Raylan Allen maybe even get a, get, a, get a chance as well. So there are a uh, a lot of opportunities, I will say that, for the running back room. But, yes, Jalen Berger, the number two. Chaz Malusi, the number one, Jesse.
1: That was the biggest surprise on the depth chart to me. And because when we had a chance to watch practices, generally, Jalen was in there on the first reps every time that was two carries and then Chez would come in um but one of the things that Paul said and when, when Chris was asked about this uh, during his press conference Monday about what stood out with Chez he talked about consistency that's something you hear a lot with players uh, or coaches talking about players but, but Chez has those two years of experience at, at Clemson I think he's Maybe a a little more versatile in terms of his ability as a pass blocker. He could do. They have similar skill sets. That's the other thing. So uh, he's going to get a lot of. T- I expect this to be more of a, a one-two running back by committee type situation rather than one guy's carrying 20, 25 times. And when I talked to Jalen a week ago or so, that that was something that he said. It's it's not really his body type. He's not a two hundred thirty pound. Running back or two twenty-five or something like that. He's built a little bit differently, and so he said if he was going to get thirty touches or twenty some touches, that it would be in the passing game as well. I think both those guys are going to be big contributors in the passing game. So, yeah, I, I think we'll see we'll see a, a a good bit of each of those guys as well as Garendo.
0: I'm right so rarely that I will have to say that I did think Chaz was going to be the number one. Uh, I did say I'm pretty sure I said it on a previous podcast because. You know, Jalen was was dinged up. Like he missed a few practices in there. And it, it you know, even when they went to some of the team portions, they held Ches out. So like and he wasn't and he wasn't really dinged up. They held him out. That kind of made me think, you know, got big plans for him. They held him out, they held out, you know, Jake Ferguson largely in a lot of those eleven on eleven opportunities. I'm talking about, I think maybe one of the two practices that you were unable to go to, you know, they this isn't a shock, right? Like it's it, it is what it is, and it's not necessarily a it doesn't necessarily matter outside of the person that's going to be going out there first. I, I think they're going to get the ball a ton, both of them. I think they're going to be playing a ton of both of them. And then obviously Isaac Garendo too. I, he's, he's the wild. I think he's the wild card here. Isn't he? Oh, I guess, I mean, you could throw Braylon Allen in there too, but I, I really think, you know, if Isaac is healthy, he just gives him a little bit, something, you know, different with his ability to put it into extra gear and, and, uh, and take one anytime he touches.
1: It. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I mean, Jalen, when I was talking to him, said, I asked what stood out about Garendo, and he said he, he's – I watched him run 24 miles per hour in practice. You get him out in space, and he'll be different. And with Jalen, uh, he said that he was – because there was a practice where he looked like he got hurt. He had a little hip flexor tightness, but he he said he was good to go, and it didn't seem to be that big of a deal. So I, I, don't, I don't think, like, an injury is what is the result of why the running back situation is the way it is. But I'm with you with Garendo. You know, Gary Brown is very high on him, likes the fact that he's got that wide receiver background, and he even said that he can create some uh, matchup issues with some linebackers. So I don't know how the carry count is going to be distributed, but I I would certainly expect it to be three guys. It's just, as Brown said, he wants to ride the hot hand. So if any one of those three is breaking off big runs, they could be the number one guy for that week.
0: We saw the other change on the depth chart that, from the, you know, from, uh, going into fall camp, the big change, it was at center with Joe Tipman coming in. We kind of felt it was going this way, you know, about midway through camp, he started taking the first team reps and never gave them up and was listed as number one center over Caden Lyles today. You know, I think we've talked about it a couple different times, but Joe Tippman, Jack Nelson, Logan Brust, that side of the line along, obviously with the center, I think just has a chance to be really, really nasty. And, and you know, and, and Tyler Beach and, and Josh Seltzner as well. But you just get the feeling with those three guys, they get off the ball just so quick. I know we talked to Graham Mertz about that today, and what stood out from uh, from what he had to say about Joe. He's his roommate. You know, they're really close, but he had some uh, some very nice things to say about Joe.
1: He called Joe a Mauler, and Graham, being the consummate uh, quarterback team guy, I ended up saying that every guy on the offensive line was a Mauler. But I mean that that is something that with both those guys, with both Jack Nelson and Joe Titman that it, I think Badgers fans are going to see. I actually had an opportunity to talk today with both those guys, Joe and Jack, and was asking Joe about how it came to be that, like, how did he find out? He was just all of a sudden started working with the ones, because that's kind of how it happened. And he said that Joe Rudolph, a, a offensive line coach, obviously grades all these little details at every practice. And after one practice, Titman graded out, basically better than anybody, like check plus or plus plus. And so as a result, he said he told Joe that the, the next day he was going to run with the ones, and it's been that way ever since. Um, Joe said that he thought in his career he was probably going to wind up at guard here because last year he was backup guard, and they had Caden Lyles and had Cormac Sampson, and obviously Samson's now moved to guard, and he's overtaken Lyles. But I, I do think this speaks to – You can debate the merits of the recruiting rankings all you want, but you just look at how good the recruiting classes on the O-line have been the last three classes. This is what happens is the really good guys, when they're healthy, they start to play earlier and they've got an opportunity to be really special for several years. And you're seeing it with Tittman in the 2019 class and Nelson in the 2020 class and a whole bunch of guys coming up behind them as well
0: what stood about stood out about your conversation with jack cuz he's a uh, he's an engaging guy and he's got i don't want to say crazy eyes but he's he's got some uh he's got some intense eyes <laughs> in, intense and very intense eyes and he's a uh, and he's a talker
1: intense is the right word that comes up a lot i mean he mentioned it too and he he talked about because as has been a storyline throughout camp it seemed as though whenever there was a fight he was involved in it he was somewhere in the middle that He's, he's trying to figure out a balance between playing with that intensity and not sort of overstepping and playing after the whistle in a way that will hurt you in a game. <laughs> and I mean, I I don't know that it's going to be a huge problem for him, but um, I do think because of how intense and tough he is and that he will play right up until the whistle, um, he will bury a guy and keep going that it's just something that he's going to have to learn and figure out as he goes through this opportunity because he he hasn't gotten a ton of college snaps anyway, and, and all of his snaps before were at were at guard or were at tackle. I think he got nine snaps last year at tackle, and he was a left tackle in high school. So, him moving to guard, I think, um, I think he's got a chance to be very very special. Obviously,
0: yeah. Going back to Tipman, I, we or I asked uh, Joe Leonard. As I originally called him, but Jim Leonard, the uh, the the defensive coordinator, about Joe and asked him, you know, like just what stood out. And he goes, "You better have your hands ready if you're a defense player," which essentially means you better have your you better get your hands right so that you keep the, his hands off of you. Because if he gets on you, it's going to be a problem. And again, I, I remember I we talked about it in the last show. Tyler Beach said that there were times where him in the center, him in the, uh, guard, uh, and the guard, Joe in the guard, you know, whether it was Jack Nelson or Josh Seltzner. We're driving Keanu Benton, potentially the, the the most NFL talent guy on their defense, you know, five, 10 yards deep. So I think it has a chance to be a, a good group on offensive line. It may not come together right away because they don't have all those snaps together that, you know, you would want because Tyler missed time and Logan Bruss missed time in, in fall camp and Joe didn't jump up to the number one job until, you know, midway through camp. But that is going to be, I think, one of my focuses come Saturday for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, this offensive line is extremely talented, no doubt about it. And, it, I mean, we talked before about how the reps is not something they got a lot of in, in the fall. But I don't think it's going to take that much time to come together because you've got a lot of experience at tackle. You know, Josh Seltner's played, played a ton of games. And just because of how good Nelson and Titman are, I, I I think it's going to come together pretty quickly. For me, it's more a question of um, what do the running backs do with, with those holes? Because – it's a new group, and and I'm not sure exactly what to expect out of the, the tailbacks.
0: Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. I, some of the other things that you know we look at on the depth chart, you know, I guess you we could take note of the kicking job because I think that's what you love to talk about more than anything else on the podcast. Jesse um, is you know Colin Larch listed as the number one, which probably shouldn't be a huge surprise because Jack Van Dyke missed so much time in camp. But again, I that that remains a you know, if, if there's a weak spot, so looking at their weak spots, w- would that rank at the top? Would that be like the biggest question? I know it's I know it's a kicking game, it's special teams. Not it's it is one third of the game, but it's not necessarily not necessarily um, you know a focus of everybody's, but it could be very very important come Saturday.
1: Yeah, it could. It, it's a, an inconsistent spot. I'll put it that way, which we've talked about ad nauseum. Especially Colin from Forty and Beyond. He's two for seven in his career, and that's why I thought Jack was going to win the job, and it certainly seemed as though Jack was in position to do so, but then he had the leg injury, so you have to think that contributed to the, the way things are. I don't know if that's a fluid situation, whether Jack's healthy or not. Um, I don't know. I, weak spots, it's hard to say right now because they've only been practicing against each other, but that would be the one that stands out. I think they addressed on the defensive line, particularly with the the number twos, the guys like James Thompson Jr. and Rotus Johnson, I, I, which I've talked about as well. I, I think that they've some things up there. But, no, I, I mean, top to bottom, this is, this is a pretty strong group, which is why they're Big Ten West favorites.
0: Yeah. The other part of the depth chart that kind of stood out, they did, there were no oars on the depth chart, which is kind of a rarity for Wisconsin. However, they probably could have thrown some oars down at, at cornerback because, obviously, you have your starters and Fayon Hicks and Caesar Williams, but they have four other guys listed behind them. Uh, all you know, whether it's Alex Smith or Dean Ingram or uh, Dante Burton or Samar Melvin, so you have those four guys plus the other two. Is that just? And I know I think Jim Leonard said it's just you know maybe getting them the recognition uh, yeah. is why they kind of threw them uh, all up there. But I don't know which one is necessarily. And he didn't he didn't divulge it. Which which one is going to be that third corner? And doesn't really even matter because they're going to be playing three or four of those guys.
1: I do not think it matters at all, which is, that's what I was going to say. All six of those guys, I think are going to see time. All six of them have played before Um, some more than others, but like Smith and Ingram, two of the young guys were the two standouts in the spring. And because there's going to be three corners on the field so much, I just, I don't think it really matters to me. The, the, One of the other things that stood out and maybe to a far lesser degree was if you look at the backup inside linebacker, they've got Tatum grass there, which makes sense because he was pushing so well in the spring. We really didn't have a chance to see him. I would have thought maybe Jordan Turner would have risen up, but maybe grass got healthy enough in the time that we didn't see. For the most part, though, this depth chart is exactly as we would have expected it other than a couple that we've already addressed.
0: What are you what are you trying to say? Like uh, you hit it pretty good then on your on your projections.
1: I, I think all of us probably had the same projections. Um, uh, I, I mean, I suppose what I didn't get was Malusi over Berger, but that was the big surprise.
0: And I believe you had, would you have Jordan Turner as the, one of the backup? Ins- right,
1: right, right. Yeah, so so I suppose that's why I brought that up. But like, like I said, that's only based on the practices that we had an opportunity to see. We didn't get to see grass. He had a head injury, and Turner had elevated himself to he was running with the twos. So if grass is healthy, then... Obviously, that bumps Turner down, but for the and most part, no surprises.
0: And doesn't really even matter because uh,
1: I doubt it, because Sanborn and Chanel are going to play ninety-five <laughs> percent of the snaps.
0: Exactly, exactly. All right, let's get into our interview with with uh, Audra Snardi here, and then we'll come back the other side and and jump into some more things that we talked about with Paul Christ and Jim Leonard and and the other players on Monday. <laughs> And we do welcome in Audrey Schneider from The Athletic, Jesse's co-worker with The Athletic. She covers Penn State as the Badgers and Nittany Lions get ready to start the season on Saturday. Thought we'd have her join and get a little intel on what the Nittany Lions have been doing in the preseason. Audrey, I'd, I'd like to start with a big picture question here. Uh, Penn State obviously started last year 0-5, including that memorable opener at Indiana. Uh, they right of the ship, though, won their final four. What are the expectations in your mind for the team this year? And do those differ at all from what the fan base is thinking?
2: You know, the expectation around here, uh, and I live right in State College, so you you hear it and you see it every day with the fans. I mean, it's always they want to be in that conversation of knocking on the door for the college football playoff. But realistically, I mean, you have no idea what this offense is going to look like. They went out and brought in Mike Yersich, new offensive coordinator this winter, uh, this coming after they brought in Kirk Shiraka, which is probably a familiar name for Wisconsin fans, the former Minnesota offensive coordinator the year before. Uh, so, I mean, coming off a four and five season, my 11th season cover in this team, they've never been in this position before. So it's really to me, it's okay, is this program rebounding, or are we in the midst of some kind of regression here um, that was just maybe magnified by all the oddities of last season in the pandemic? But yeah, I mean, the goal's always 10-plus wins, trying to be in that college football playoff conversation, but what this offense looks like, and equally important, what Sean Clifford looks like, to me, that's going to dictate what in the world happens with Penn State this season.
1: Audrey, you mentioned the up-and-down season Penn State had. Wisconsin was in a a similar spot and that it didn't meet expectations, and yet both teams come into this season in the top 20, in the AP top 25. Penn State's number 19. I know rankings are – they really don't mean that much, but someone's voting, and I'm wondering, is Penn State really a top 25 team in your mind, or do you think that's more based on the perception of what Penn State football is?
2: Yeah, I'll be honest with you, Jesse. I was a little surprised when I saw the ranking and that they were that high. Now, I'll say that it makes sense in that there's a lot of talent on this team. They should not have been 4-5 and last year. I mean, there's way too much talent on this roster. However, part of last season, the offense was a mess, but also they had a lot of injuries. And running back Noah Kane, their starter, got injured on the fourth play against Indiana in the season opener. You know, so their backup running backs got hurt, and Micah Parsons, of course, was opted opted out of the season and was training for the NFL. So they had a lot of injuries and kind of were trying to figure things out on the fly. So in that regard, I say, wow! I watched you know every game of this team last year. Saw way more than enough um, to say that this offense was a complete train wreck. But I go back to the: Are they a top twenty-five team? In this case, a top twenty team. I do think the talent is there to justify it, but they just got to show out, go out now and prove it. I mean, the way that Sean Clifford played last year was alarming. The fact that he turned the ball over as many times as he did. Uh, To me, that's the big statistic with this team. It's the turnovers. I mean, that killed their season last year more than anything else. So now it's going to be, okay, if you're indeed a top 20 team, Sean Clifford has to play a heck of a lot better. This offense has to be much more efficient, and I don't want to let the defense off the hook either, Jesse, because they were a disappointment last year. And I think uh, we're going to have to see Saturday if this Penn State front seven is up to the task.
0: Yeah, you talked about the offense and how it was not ideal last year, but you know how quickly can they get up to speed with a new office coordinator? So I guess a third different offense coordinator in three years. You have do have a senior quarterback in Sean Clifford. You mentioned his turnovers, uh, the interceptions. I think eight of those came in the first five games I think he had nine total in the season but what are you expecting from this offense do you think they can hit the ground running with a with a new offensive coordinator right away and coming into a place where you have a defense that you know has returns pretty much intact from last year
2: they're they're gonna have to and I think that's the kind of the beauty or maybe the blessing and the curse of opening the season the way they do I mean I had a conversation with Mike Yersich earlier this offseason and I asked him I said well Do you like or do you not like opening the season this way, going to Camp Randall? And he kind of grinned over Zoom and he was like, you know, I love it. Like, this is what we live for and that kind of thing. But, you know, the difference or at least what Penn State believes is going to be the difference this time around with finally getting this offense clicking is that this group had no spring ball the year before because of the pandemic. So that really they felt was magnified last year. They never really got this offense to where it wanted to be had a much more normal off season this time around. But the one thing that I think we're going to see is tempo. I mean, this is what your likes to do. They have so many different tempos. How much can they push that tempo is what I'm, curious to see um, because again we haven't media hasn't been privy to any scrimmages Um, we didn't even see any live 11 on 11 action this preseason Uh, so really what we see in Camp Randall is going to be a first time for a lot of us but what we saw in spring football what we've seen in you know 20 minute viewing windows this preseason um, it's a team that's going to take their shots down the field you've got a really talented receiver in Jahan Dotson one of the best receivers in the Big Ten. You've got two very talented tight ends and an offensive line that should be Penn State's best O-line in a long time. Uh, they've got two really strong tackles, sp- specifically their left tackle, Rasheed Walker. Uh, but as you all both know, you know, if you want to push the tempo, but you're not moving the chains, then you're putting that defense back on the field and you've got problems. Uh, so I am very curious to see just how much of that tempo we see on Saturday.
1: Audrey, you've written that Penn State's running backs are arguably the deepest unit on the team. Which guys will be out there, and what ways? In what ways can they make things challenging for Wisconsin's defense?
2: Yeah, that's. They call themselves the Lawn Boys. Um, you maybe will even see on on TV or on the sidelines on Saturday. They have a chain that they wear. Kind of uh, everybody's trying to riff off of Miami these days, right? It didn't work
1: out well for Miami when they played Wisconsin. I'll tell you that.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, you'll see if maybe it works better for the long boys. We'll see. Um, but we'll get a depth chart probably on Tuesday when James Franklin meets with the media to begin the week. But my best guess is that Noah Kane is the number one. And the interesting thing with him is that he hasn't made it through a season healthy. I mean, as as a true freshman two seasons ago, he got dinged up. Um, And then was able to come back late in the year and had a really strong showing in the cotton bowl, but he's the number one guy now back. The full health has looked really, really impressive. Uh, But the interesting thing with this backfield is like they're five deep. Now they want to play three guys and have four ready, but they've got five with game experience. So who that number two back is um, I think it'll probably be Kevon Lee, a true sophomore who really stepped up and did a nice job last year. Um, because of all the injuries, but then between three and four, I mean, you can make the argument um, that it's John Lovett, a grad transfer who they brought in this offseason from Baylor. You could also maybe make the argument that it's Devin Ford, who is classmates with Noah Kane, um, who's flashed and should be a pretty good pass catcher out of the backfield, but just hasn't put it all together yet. Uh, So that's kind of what I'm looking for on on the depth chart on Tuesday is what's that rotation like? Um, And they will, I mean, they're going to use a lot of guys back there Again, three is the magic number, but I think you'll see a lot of Noah Cain, but I'm very intrigued by John Lovett because if you go out and bring in a grad transfer, you know, you're doing that for a reason. Uh, And to do that to the deepest position group on the team, I thought was really fascinating.
0: What does lawn boys mean? Like what's, where's, where does that come from?
2: Yeah. It was just something that they started as like a funny thing a few years ago and just like they had kind of uh, like little videos as if they were like cutting the grass and just tearing up the lawn all out there. Okay. So that's, yeah, that's really all it is. Uh, they've bought into it. And kind of the crazy thing is they have recruited this position insanely well. I mean, you can go back to, you know, Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders. Um, they had Ricky Slade in their five-star back who didn't materialize, but you kind of look at it now with this next wave um, with Noah Kane. And then, you look at how Penn State's recruiting it currently, I mean, they've got two of the top 10 backs committed to this 2022 class. So they're going to be stacked for a long time. um, And that's why running backs coach Jaywon Sider is probably one of the more um, attractive assistant coaching names out there right now, because he's consistently produced and recruited really well.
1: What about defensively, Audrey, for Mm -hmm. Penn State? Um, You know, Wisconsin's got a lot of guys back. They've Got to figure out some things at running back, but what stands out about Penn State defensively, particularly maybe the front seven that um, could give Wisconsin some some issues?
2: The defensive ends are a question mark. To me, that's the front four is concerning. And I think that's, you know, you look at it and you say, okay, they were going to have to replace both defensive ends this year because both are off the NFL in Odafio way uh, and Shaka Toney. But one of your projected starters, Adisa Isaac, then gets hurt this uh, this preseason or this offseason, rather, before camp, uh, and he's going to be gunned for the year most likely. So you're already down to your backup defensive end, um, and I think that what you're going to see is Nick Tarburton, uh, who doesn't have very much game experience. He'll be the one starter, and the other starter most likely is going to be Arnold A. Bikady, also known as AK, a Temple graduate transfer who they brought in this offseason, which might be the move that potentially saves this season because they were not built before adding Katie to withstand, you know, losing Adisa Isaac, potentially their best defensive end of this group. So to me, it's going to be okay. What in the world do you see with these front four um, inside? You've got PJ Mustafer, who's been there a long time, played a lot of football. Um, he should be a force, but then what happens alongside Mustafer? That's kind of the question right now, because You've got Hakeem Beeman, um, who's very light, who's somebody that I thought maybe when the injury happened to Adisa Isaac, they'd have Beeman bounce outside the defensive end uh, because you look at his weight and you think that's a possibility, but that hasn't been the case so far. So you've got him and then you've also got a Duke graduate transfer, Derek Tangelo. Uh, and Tangelo, I think you're going to see playing an awful lot too, so That front four, um, especially the defensive end rotation, it's not very deep. It's not experienced. And that's one area where I think Wisconsin can really have their way with them. And then you kind of go on to that next layer in those linebackers. And Penn State's got some potential there. I mean, Brandon Smith could be one of the best linebackers in the Big Ten this year. I mean, he was a five-star prospect. Um, But, again, that's going to be tough if you don't know what you're getting from that front four.
0: And I was going to ask uh, about, you know, the biggest concern for Penn State, like from pers- uh, from the Penn State perspective, what scares them or concerns them uh, about facing Wisconsin on Saturday? Is it is it the run game and the and the defensive line holding up against Wisconsin's offensive line?
2: I, I mean, I would I would think so, because you kind of look at it and you say, OK, Penn State, this should be one of their best, probably the best offensive line under James Franklin um they should be able to run the ball but I I just I think the biggest issue with this team could be the defense and just I mean one of the other things we saw last year and we've seen it a lot under Penn State and I get it you see it a lot nationally early games tacklings abysmal and the coaches always say well we can't remedy that because we you know only have so many live practices and preseason's not what it used to be and all that um but this was a Penn State defense that especially the linebackers that were very very poor tacklers, especially early on last season you look at it and you say, well how in the world did that team you know bottom out at 0 and5? The tackling was as concerning as the turnovers from Sean Clifford. So gotta see kind of what they what they do there but yeah I mean you've got to be able to stop the run and that's to me the the big one of the big storylines heading into Saturday.
1: All right, Audrey, here's a fun question for you. I don't think you've been to Madison in about a decade. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: Not since 2013.
1: That is a long time. That was the the Christian hackenberg uh, Stave shootout, I think. Yes.
2: Uh, there there will be a game. story about that on The Athletic this week, Jesse. There is a tease.
1: <laughs> Good plug. Uh, wh- where are you going to hit up? What's your What's your go-to spot in Madison?
2: Since it's been so long, I am open to anything and everything. Um, You and a couple other people have mentioned old fashions as a place that I like should go. Um, So I definitely plan on doing that. Uh, Jesse knows this. I am a big new Glarus Brewing Company fan. So I will be drinking Spotted Cows wherever I'm at. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking just go around State Street, roam around Friday afternoon see what I get into, right? Is that, is that a good plan?
0: Sounds like a great that plan. Sounds like a pretty good plan. Yeah, yeah. no, it certainly does. Uh, before I let you out, though, I do have to get your prediction for Saturday. And I know that there's a lot of people in Wisconsin picking Wisconsin, a lot of people that cover the team. And I know it's probably the same way with Penn State. Where, where do you think, how do you think this game plays out?
2: Um, just because I do not know what in the world this Penn State offense is going to look like. And I feel like, you know, they've been talking for the last few years about how the offense is going to be better in this and that. Um, I'm picking the Badgers in this one. I mean, I, I think you look at kind of historically what they always do well, and it's that ground game. It's the physicality. And mm-hmm. Penn State, that that front seven to me is a little bit alarming, um, as is whatever this rebound season for Sean Clifford could look like. I mean, for me, you can't just look as bad as he did last year and then me automatically come out and say, oh, everything's fine, new OC, they're ready to go. Um, I think he'll certainly look better. But again, this is a really talented Wisconsin team. So I'm picking the Badgers 30, or Excuse me, 31-24, going with Wisconsin. All
0: right. Well, it should be a great game. Certainly appreciate your time, Audrey, and uh, looking forward to seeing you in Madison this weekend.
2: You got it. Take care, guys.
0: All right. There she was. Audrey Schneider from The Athletic. Certainly appreciate her time. Uh, with us today. All right, Jesse, uh, getting into a little bit more of uh, what we talked about with these guys today. You know, uh, we we talked about it with Audrey, obviously, the offensive coordinator job at Penn State, the third different guy in three years. And, you know, Wisconsin, it's an opening game. So in, in general, you don't necessarily always know what's coming. But how is Jim Leonard approaching this, you know, and how he's going to deal with and try and figure out you know what they're going to be seeing on Saturday from Penn State, even though we we know some of the players, we know some of the talent that's there, but how it's exactly going to look.
1: Well, there are some things, as Paul Chris said, that you can't know because they're going to be things they show you that you didn't see on film. But uh, Penn State's offensive coordinator was the OC and quarterback's coach at Texas last season. And so that's some good film to look at. I think they're going to be, Try to go up-tempo, and I think they're going to try to test Wisconsin down the field. Um, I mean, I think Jim, for the most part, was sort of tight-lipped about what the approach exactly is going to be. I, I asked him a little bit about that. Sometimes he's more expansive in his answers, but I can certainly understand not wanting to reveal much about, you know, what what your plan is. But that is one of the fascinating elements of this game is we don't necessarily know exactly what Penn State's offense is going to look like. But I, I know that uh, Leonard's going to have a plan for his guys, that's for sure
0: when he said that you look a lot of places you absorb a lot of information you overexpose your guys to uh, information but then you come up with a plan that can make them that they can still go out and play fast so because there there are so many unknowns you you there's just a ton of information and you have they have to have that information in case it pops up on Saturday but i think that's that obviously goes for every team in this first game but I, certainly Wisconsin you know this is their first game that they're opening against a, uh, a ranked team since, you know, that 2016 game against LSU. And you didn't really know what to expect coming out of LSU that day. And Justin Wilcox had a plan. Jim Leonard, obviously the DB's coach that day. But these are, you just, with these type of games, I think there's just, there's so much unknown, even on both sides. Wisconsin probably has a lot of unscouted looks that Penn State hasn't seen before. I, you know, I certainly think uh, Paul Chris has some things up his sleeve that, that are not necessarily going to be things that, the Dentonny Lions have seen before and Wisconsin hasn't showed before.
1: Yeah, defensively, I think Wisconsin's gonna dial up the pressure because one of the things Leonard talked about was that Sean Clifford, Penn State's quarterback, when he's got when it's clean, you know, he can he can hurt you, he can deliver some some good looks. And so if you can get him moving a little bit, then it it could change the the dynamic for for Wisconsin. And clearly that's been one of the the offseason talking points, is it's not just hurries it's it's can you impact the game and and get some sacks and and we'll see how quickly Penn State gets the ball out because that was one of the reasons that Wisconsin struggled in that area last year offensively though you're right Um, I'm very interested to see what Paul has up his sleeve because he's running the show again now and um, he he's been known for (laughs) doing a lot of different things and um, I think that this group has a chance to be special he's got there's a lot of weapons but I don't know exactly how it's all going to come together. I will say that I asked Graham whether he felt like they would maybe air it out a little bit more this year um, or change the ratio from what we've seen in the past. And he didn't want to say anything. He was basically like, I don't want to give away the game plan, but we'll see. So um, maybe that's just Graham being Graham, but it does sort of feel like if Wisconsin was going to start to air it out a little bit more, that this is the roster that you would do it with.
0: And before we go on a, should have mentioned this at the top of the show uh Danny Davis good to go right he is in the depth chart I was able to talk with him asked him about what happened uh we saw him catch a touchdown pass on a Wednesday in a scrimmage uh setting he didn't take a hit or anything was no big deal um but that was the last time we saw him that we saw him at all uh he he missed the next few days with a head injury and he just said he had a headache. Uh, it's not necessarily something that happened right after Wednesday. It was something that happened uh, that he kind of was feeling the next day. Uh, asked him if he was diagnosed with another concussion. He said no, but they said that they just wanted to keep him out and be precautionary about it and keep him out until you know everything went away because of what happened last year. And he said, yeah. Uh, I was a little concerned to begin with just because of what happened last year, but uh, I was able to return. He said he was able to return last, uh, I believe it was last Monday or Tuesday and uh, he's good to go for Saturday. And I think obviously significant for Wisconsin's offense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, he's the type of guy that you don't necessarily need to get every rep or even most of the reps in fall, but you need enough that he can get in a rhythm and he can have the timing and, and everything that you need with Graham. But that's certainly good news for him and for Wisconsin that he's able to spend the last week getting back into the flow, and now game week is here, and uh, you know you're going to go with your top group all the time. So he is the difference maker, one of those difference makers offensively, and he's got to be in there for Wisconsin to be successful
0: and he and he said he said he did need you know missing that that time, missing that week plus wasn't good, right? like he he needed he needs that time because he missed so much time last year, and he you know missed some time in the spring as well. That fall camp, yeah, it's his fifth fall camp, but it's still something where he would like to be in getting those reps, and that was important to get back in there. Uh, but going back to to Graham and going back to the offense in general, and just, to, I guess, I mean, throw this to the team as well. Who has the most pressure on them coming into this game for Wisconsin? Coach, player, who has it? Who, who is under the most pressure going into this game? And maybe even this season.
1: If I had to pick anybody, I would say... <laughs> I would say Graham, um, but Paul Christ as well, simply because of the responsibilities that he's taken on this season. So, uh, if you made some changes, then you better be effective. And those are the two that I would say with Graham, it's just because of, it's because of what so many people believe he can be. It's because of what he did in the opener. Um, it to, I mean, since that point really hasn't been, um, on that level. And so if he's healthy and everyone else around him is healthy, this is the year to go and do it. You know, they that, that that's why I think that the most pressure would be on him at this point.
0: What about defensively? Who do you think has, has the most pressure on them?
1: Uh that's a harder question to answer. Um, I okay. mean, I, I, maybe I, one I, of the linebackers. I don't, I mean, yeah. I guess it could be someone in the secondary if you're going to get burned a lot, but they just have so many guys, <laughs> Yeah, no,
0: I, I, you know, to be honest with you, it's, I mean, we could stick with the coach theme. It could be Jim Leonard. It could be his ability, his ability ability to put all these pieces in the right place and, and uh, put together a defense that some believe can be on the level of his first team, his first defense, you know, his own, you know, obviously he wasn't the coordinator in 2016, but in 2017, how good they were. There are some people that believe they can be on that level again. I'm among those. And I could certainly put it his, or you could say Matt Henningson and and Keanu Benton having to step up and, and be those guys with Isaiah and Garrett Rand gone. Like they have to step up and play up to their ability. Specifically Keanu, because he's, he is the most talented guy that they have along the defensive line. He's the one that has the NFL talent, but then you could also say Jack Sanborn it's, this is his defense right now. I mean, this, right. I mean, this is, it's his, I would say more so than, than anybody else's though. You know, Leo's played a ton and and has a voice, and Scott Nelson and Colin Wilder, Wilder both have a voice, but I, I would say it's Jack's defense.
1: Yeah, I think I, I think I agree with that, and it is just harder to say defensively because I, I I don't think there's any one guy um, that you really say the pressure's on him. To me, if you were going to pick anybody, it makes more sense to say Leonard, um, but it's probably been that way for the last handful of years with him dialing everything up and being most responsible for what happens on the field.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, so going back to the depth chart, just to put the put a bow on it. Thoughts on Jack Dunn being in the two deep again? I know that there's been some, <laughs> obviously been some hate on the on the timeline today, and that I guess you know when when he guys been around for that long, that kind of stuff happens. Uh, are you surprised that nobody jumped him in camp? I'm not, but it wasn't a surprise at all to see his name there. And and that's the thing, like I it, that doesn't mean like he's going to play a ton, or he's going to play a ton more than say the third guy, whether it's, or I should say, whether the, you know, the fifth guy, AJ Abbott or Devin Chandler, or I think the name that we're going to be hearing a lot more of before this season is done, Marcus Allen, the true freshman who Paul Chris said is in the depth. He's not necessarily in the 2D, but he's in the depth. And I think is one of the, he's one of the true freshmen that are going to play this year, but Jack just does, he does things right, I guess is what you would say. And he, and he was productive, uh, despite, you know, kind of being under the gun last year.
1: Yep. This is absolutely zero surprise that he's in the two deep. I, w- I wouldn't have <laughs> picked anybody else. Nobody, nobody else really stood out that you thought would, would earn that spot. Like AJ Abbott and Devin Chandler were the ones coming in that you thought maybe could take that jump. Saw some uh, plays from them, but not a ton to me it is Marcus Allen as the guy that I think is as the most upside from that group, especially in the second half of the open practices that we saw the second week uh, was getting more and more reps. He can be a big time playmaker, but Dunn made a lot of plays in, in fall camp too. And, and was w- one of the most consistent receivers, one of the only healthy ones, I guess last season last year. So no. And and honestly, I don't, it doesn't necessarily even matter because if someone's close or if someone gets better over time, then they're going to wind up playing more snaps, but these are the four that coming in, we suspected, and zero surprise that it's the same four with yeah, prior you know. Davis, DK, and Dunn.
0: Yeah, definitely. And the, the top three, I think, are going to – I don't want to say uh, a problem for teams, but I think they have a chance to have a really solid pa- passing game to go along with You know, when you throw in Jake Ferguson and you throw in the running backs. You throw even Jack Eschbach in there, too, who I they seem to really, really like. So, uh, everything looks good right now, right, Jesse? Like, everything – like, you feel good. About everything right now, and all it takes is just one bad player, one bad game. Look at Illinois and Nebraska. Nebraska had really good thoughts. Ned, you know, Scott Frost said before the game that this was going to be the team that some people would look back at and say this is the this is the year that everything turned around. You know, sixty minutes later, and it's it's never going to happen in Nebraska again, type of thing. So we we there are there are going to be very very uh, strong reactions one way or the other to Saturday. But right now, as you look at it you feel good about it,
1: uh, about the wide receiver, depth?
0: about the offense, about the, about Wisconsin in general. Like you look at it you feel good about it. It won't meet like there are going to be strong reactions one way or the other, depending on how Saturday goes. Like everything looks good at this point. You feel good about it. Don't you, or do you not feel good about it? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't want to, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like you feel good about where Wisconsin is right now, heading into
1: Saturday. Yeah, I do look at, look at every position and, and say, is, is that position a, a weakness? Um, the only position of major question is just is running back. But I, I think with Malusi and Berger and that combo, they're going to get the job done. Th- this is a very good offensive line. I think Graham has taken the steps that he has needed to take and needed to take, and he's got everybody back. So I, I do think that this offense should be really good, but <laughs> if it doesn't come together against Penn state, uh, it'll be an entirely different conversation.
0: Right. This time next week, when we're looking back at Saturday, as I said, the reactions will be very strong way one way or the other. It's either gonna be Graham is gonna is gonna lead Wisconsin to the heights that it never has, or you know, he was a bust. Like, and that's and that's unfortunate, but that's just the way it's gonna be. Not necessarily our takes, but the takes from the fan base, that's that's where it's gonna be. I don't think there's gonna be any in between. Would you agree with that? Like I, I feel like it's gonna go this this game has a chance to go this, yeah, this this chan- this game this opportunity for Graham can go one way or the other, even if you like, even if he's good, like it's going to be the greatest thing ever. And and if he's, you know, not, if he's below average and they lose, it's going to be the worst thing ever.
1: I'd like to think there's some wiggle room in there that there's not only the two extremes, um, but that's why college football is so fun. It's like, as I said, every week is an indictment on where a team stands. And (sighs) If Wisconsin loses the opener that that obviously changes what we think the trajectory can be and and if the offense doesn't play very well um I mean the Notre Dame's not going to be a worse team than than Penn State, and that game's in only a few weeks so yeah I, I this will say a lot about where Wisconsin's at, obviously
0: you think there's wiggle room in college football that's 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 cute. I think there's
1: um, wiggle room in terms of how you feel about for Graham. us may,
0: for us maybe. I don't think I don't like I I don't I think this is going to be a deciding game in a lot of people's minds one way or the other.
1: I mean, what if they win, but he doesn't play all that well? You know, that leaves Then you then he's got a little more leash. You know, I mean, I don't know. What if it, what if, if it, he it, what if he plays well and they lose? You know,
0: I, it's okay. I think I think people will be okay with that if he plays well and, and they lose because you have the upside of it. Now I shouldn't say people will be okay with it. I think people would be not okay with losing, but the The idea that you know Graham, who still has a lot of football in front of him here, is playing well and and did it on against you know number nineteen Penn State, big stage, all that. I think people could get themselves around that idea even if they were to lose because if he plays well and they lose, it likely isn't the offense's fault that they lost, right? Like it's not going to be the offense's problem. if if Graham plays well and they lose, it's not going to be the offense the reason that they lost. I think it's I think it's a much more likely scenario. That he plays badly and they lose, as opposed to the other way around, where he plays well and they lose.
1: Yes, that that does sound reasonable. I'm that's I'm just good. I'm right leaving obvious, the door right? open, yeah. leaving the door open to uh, more than two possibilities. But that's again, that's why who's not who's got the most pressure on them? Certainly among the players, it's Graham. But you know, you're also the quarterback at uh, a Big Ten program with high expectations. That's how it goes.
0: Yeah. The only my only point about. Nebraska and Illinois just, you you have an idea of what your season is going to be. And 60 minutes later, it's either, yes, that's a possibility or no, that's not going to happen. And while we know, while we know that in our, in our minds, and I think we are able to differentiate and be like, yeah, you know, that wasn't a good performance or it was a good performance and, you know, they, they won or that wasn't a good performance and they lost it. They still have, you know, the ability to bounce back. In the in the grand scheme of things, the way that this all works, I think it's going to be one way or the other. I just do like it's just. I think for the most part, it's going to be one way or the other, and we'll and we'll see. Yes, Wisconsin and uh, and Penn State Saturday at Camp Randall and Wisconsin is favored in that game right now. Uh, Jesse, we'll make our picks on the show later this week. But uh, do you have a way you're leaning at this point?
1: I have a way. I'm leaning. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is it? Similar to your counterpart at the Athletic,
1: I would say that is that is accurate at this okay. point.
0: I was a little bit surprised that she picked Wisconsin. Um, I know that she, she 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 seems like such a straight shooter though too. Like she does, it's it's like she doesn't have. Like she's she's been there a long time. She's covered the team for a long time. She knows exactly what's what. And I feel like there's there's a lot of people there that. Are probably like it's Penn State, it's Wisconsin. You know, Penn State has the talent, they're just going to do it. She didn't, she did not buy by that at all.
1: She did not. Um, and I don't either. So, <laughs> I mean, if Wisconsin's as good as we think they can be, then they've got to take care of business. Um, and I don't know, I don't know how good Penn State is. That's the other thing. Like they were 0 5 last year, never happened before in program history. Then they won four straight games. Well, that's great, but their offense is going to look different. Uh, they got a lot of question marks too. I, that's So it's just hard for me to automatically say, well, Penn State's going to roll up in there and beat Wisconsin.
0: What are you expecting the atmosphere to be like on Saturday?
1: Even though it's an 11 a.m. game, uh, I think it'll be pretty wild. At least I hope it is. It's been a long time uh, since fans have been there. So hopefully everybody's there by at least the second quarter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you're, uh, if you're about to see kickoff, be like, oh, goodness. Um, no, 11 o'clock kickoff. I uh, I think, no, I, I think there's still some limited tickets left. That, that probably shouldn't be a surprise considering what's going on in the country and all that, but they will play football on Saturday in front of fans at Camp Randall Stadium for the first time since late November of 2019. And we can't wait for it, but we've got one more show to do before that comes up and we will do that. You'll get that Friday morning. And um, thank you very much, Jesse. Thanks, Zach. Until then, you've been listening to the camp here on the Wisconsin sports zone radio network.